0: Hi, thanks for listening to the podcast. Let me start with something funny today. I heard about a lady who walked into a doctor's office with a duck under her arm. The nurse behind the counter said,
1: I'm sorry. No, 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 no. We've already heard that one. Listen, I've got a good one. A better one? Are you sure? Uh, yep. Here goes. So there were these two pastors who met up for coffee one day. The first pastor says to the second one, I've got a real problem. Over at the church, we've got a bunch of bats up in the belfry. They're flapping around, making noise, all during my Sunday sermon. Have you ever heard of anything so awful? The other pastor says, oh, yeah, man, I had that same problem. I took care of it, though. I finally just gave up and made them members of my church. After that, I never saw them again. Okay, I've got to hand
0: it to you. That was a pretty good joke. And I think it illustrates an interesting point
1: that... No, 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 You're, you're taking it too far. Oh, okay. Sorry.
0: Hi, I'm Randall Sims, and this is my podcast. Jesus, the Christ, at the cross of Calvary, purchased eternal life for you and for me. Life more abundant. That life has already begun, so why wait until the afterlife to live that life to the fullest? Welcome to the most impatient Christian podcast in the entire world. This is Christ Life Now. Can you imagine a place that is so perfect and so outstanding that you have all the resources that you need? You have all the food, all the health, have all the peace, the prosperity. You're in perfect alignment with the will of God. Doesn't that sound like a good place? Can you imagine that kind of place ever existing? Well, it did one time. It was called the Garden of Eden, and there was no death, there was no suffering, there was no pain, there was no sin. They had many trees with many kinds of fruit to eat of, and they communed with God in the cool of the evening. They, they talked with God and walked with God in the garden. They had all the resources that they needed. And then came sin. The serpent offered Eve a piece of fruit that she was told that she and Adam were told not to eat of, and of course she did. And then she offered it to Adam, and he ate of it. And we call that the fall, the fall of paradise. And ever since, we've been trying, in essence, to get back that kind of peace and that kind of provision. The word that I want to talk to you about today is redeemed. Have you heard of redeemed? When we talk about how we, as mankind, were, I want to dive into that word. Redeemed means to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for a payment. We know exactly what redeemed is talking about, don't we? In our relationship with Jesus, Jesus died on the cross to offer the payment for what? Sin. He offered the payment. He took the punishment. The penalty of sin is death. And Jesus took the death so that we, the sinners, don't have to have death, but we get to have life. He redeemed us. So beyond the song, beyond just the word that we hear in sermons from time to time, do we really understand what we were redeemed from? In Galatians 3 and 13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. It is written, cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree. Christ redeemed us from what specifically? The curse of the law. Sometimes people misstate that and they say that Christ redeemed us from the law. Actually, that's not entirely correct. He did not redeem us from the law. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. He redeemed us from the penalty, the payment, the death of the law. In the Bible, the psalmist says that the law or the Torah, or we call it sometimes the covenant, the old covenant, that it was perfect. Yet in another place, the scripture lets us know that it was insufficient for covering our righteousness. So which is it? Is the Bible contradictory? Here's what we need to understand about this. The law was perfect in its nature, but imperfect in its results. Let me say that again. The law was perfect in its nature, in its plan, in its design, but it was imperfect in its results. It was a perfect expression of God's righteousness, but an imperfect means of making man righteous. The only one who has ever made man righteous after the fall was Jesus when he died. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Yet, when God looks at us through that blood covering, he sees us as perfectly righteous because of what Jesus did. The law was completely sufficient, completely perfect in what it was designed to do. Here's what you need to understand. The law was never designed to redeem us from our sin. That was not what the law was designed to do. Rather, the law was designed to reveal to us what sin is is here's the thing if you don't have rules then you can't break a rule if you don't have a set of instructions to live by then you can just do anything and it's not technically breaking any rules or doing anything wrong because no one ever said you couldn't it's illegal for me to drive 95 miles an hour down the highway out front because the law says that the speed limit is quite a bit lower than that however It's not against the law for me to drive 65 on the interstate because the law says that 65 is an acceptable speed. If I'm doing something like if I wanted to go outside and get a bunch of red balloons and staple them to my shirt and walk around town with a bunch of red balloons, that would seem like a crazy thing to do. It would seem a bit odd. Probably as I'm saying it, it seems a bit random. It might be a bad idea. People might make fun of me. People might throw things at me. However, I wouldn't be breaking any laws. That's what the law did, and it did it perfectly. It let us know what sin is. When we think about the law and when it was given, our mind sometimes goes to Moses, and that was a big part of, of the law. That was a covenant. Our minds might go to Abraham when another covenant was given, maybe even to Noah. There's a Noadic covenant, so maybe our minds will, will venture over towards the area of Noah. The law actually began before all of that. What was the first law? Don't eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They only had one rule. They only had one set of instructions. It wasn't even a set. It was just an instruction. You can eat of any other tree. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So being human as they were, what did they do? They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then just as the serpent had tempted Eve, what he had said is, God doesn't want you to do this because you will come as gods. And we always assume that's a lie. But in a sense, that was actually true. They did become as gods in one way, in that they now knew the difference between good and evil, just as God knew the difference between good and evil. Fast forward a few thousand years, And God sends a redeemer. You know what a redeemer does? He redeems. That's the redeemer's job. And Jesus did just that. He redeemed. He paid the price so that we don't have to be under the penalty of the curse of breaking the law any longer. Since only perfect works could merit salvation from a perfectly holy God, and nobody can ever achieve perfect works, the law simply makes us aware of our sin and misery and pronounces our condemnation. But Jesus did just the opposite of that, didn't he? He pronounced the blessing over us when he died at Calvary. He pronounced that the curse is now broken. He didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled the law, but he made the ability to cover our righteousness perfect. He has made us perfectly righteous once we come into relationship with him. If you are in relationship with Jesus today, you are righteous. Something that you had, meaning mankind had, which was perfect righteousness, perfect standing with God, perfect health. It has been regained in your life if you are a believer in Christ Jesus. You are redeemed. All of these things from the garden onward that came as a result of the curse of, of any of the law that God gave, Jesus redeemed for you. He gained them back on your behalf. All of these things that we lost in the garden They should not be lost to us anymore. We now have a right to have all of those things. If we don't know the things that we lost, then we may not realize that we have them back. And if we don't know that we have them back, then we're not going to walk and operate in those things, and we're not going to have that belt of truth and that sword of the Spirit working like they're supposed to work. Even our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and the breastplate of righteousness, And the helmet of salvation, we're not going to have those things fully covering and armoring us if we don't know what it is that we have gotten back thanks to what Jesus did. The first thing, of course, that we've already touched on is the loss of righteousness. We lost it because of Adam and Eve. Jesus got it back for us. Before the fall, God's original creation was a place where Adam and Eve were described as being naked and without shame. The description of God walking in the garden suggests that there was fellowship between him and Adam. However, it was in the garden that the serpent came to Eve and helped her to ruin all that, her and Adam, of course. The second thing that we lost in the garden that Jesus gave back to us, that he redeemed for us, was the separation from God, or rather, he redeemed us from the loss of a connection with God. Adam was not a sinner when he was created, but he fell from that state of innocence Then he fell from the fellowship that he once enjoyed with God. This fall from grace can be seen when Adam and Eve, after hearing the voice of the Lord, were afraid because they were naked. God came looking for them to have presumably one of those cool walks in the evening with them. And they were doing what? They were hiding because they were ashamed. Who told you you were naked? No one had to tell them. Suddenly, they just knew. Their innocence had been lost. The third thing was a cursed environment. We had a blessed non-cursed environment, and then the curse, when they broke the law, the punishment that was placed on them reveals that man's sin caused the curse against the ground, resulting in the troublesome thorns and thistles, and in a change in the way that the natural world works. There was even a change in the way that children would be born. Childbirth would have been so much easier had Eve and Adam never partaken of the fruit. Sometimes we try in our Christian apologetics to figure out the Garden of Eden and how that worked. What would have been had they not fallen? And, you know, maybe the oxygen level was a lot higher because there was a canopy of, of trees covering them. And, and maybe this happened and maybe it was this way. We have a lot of theories and we probably won't ever know until we are able to ask God, you know, face to face. But here's what we need to realize. We can never truly figure that out. We can never truly understand why things were different or how they were different because the natural operation of things changed. All that we know, all that we understand, basically physics as we know it, there's nothing to say that it was the same before they sinned. We know that something fundamentally had to be very different at the very core down on the quantum level of how we exist because they were going to live without dying, Forever. And we can't even fathom the idea of our bodies not wearing out, ever. There was no sickness, no pain. We can't really even imagine that can we i mean we can maybe imagine it but we can't really wrap our minds around what that would be like so as much as we want to try to figure out what the garden of eden was like and how things would work and and how things would work if they had never sinned and we were still living in that that kind of atmosphere today we really can't because we have nothing to compare it to it's like trying to compare an apple to an orange and say this orange is a much better orange than this apple is well it just doesn't make sense because the apple's not trying to be an orange. The fallen world is not going to be able to be compared adequately to a non-fallen world, is all I'm trying to say. So we can we can waste our time trying to figure that out, but it's just not going to happen because the punishment changed the ground. So the, the fourth thing, of course, is physical death and sickness. The fulfillment of God's promise that Adam would die reveals the punishment Adam received for disobeying God's command. Adam was told that he would return to the dust from which he was taken, a concept that is referenced by so many writers in the Old Testament, of course, all from Job to the psalmist and even Ecclesiastes. Adam disobeyed and physical death came not only to him, but also to all his descendants, starting with Cain killing Abel, of course. It's kind of like AT&T, y'all. God is sending out through that tower of the cross, if you'll excuse the metaphor. He is sending out all five bars. Jesus didn't do a partial job. Jesus didn't send out a a partial signal, a partial restoration. He sent out all five bars. So as believers, we're no longer required to be sick and to have death. We're no longer required not to have the sufficiency of, of the garden, but we still do to varying degrees. We take victory over sickness and death and sometimes we see the sick healed and sometimes we don't. Let me tell you the thing That's going on there is not that all the signals, all the bars aren't coming out from Calvary. It's that sometimes we're not in perfect position to receive a full signal. Sometimes when we pray for our healing and our restoration, we're operating on one bar or two bars. We are no longer required to live under that curse. Do you know that an upgrade is coming? An upgrade in the signal is coming and Jesus is coming back and the signal, the trumpet, is going to sound and our bodies are going to be resurrected and we're going to be glorified and there will be no more sickness. There will be no more pain. The scripture says that he will wipe away every tear. Isn't that awesome? In the time to come, there will be no longer any signal shortage. There will be no longer any of our needs that are not met. See, that's the time that is coming. And even though we are freed from it, Y'all, sometimes we have those days or those weeks or those months when we feel like we're just not getting any reception, don't we? The signal's still there. When we have those moments, what we need to do is move into an area of better reception. Sometimes it's because we've gotten out into a place where where we're just too far from where the, where the signal's coming from. We can't get the kind of signal that we need, amen? But what do we do? We hightail it back to the source. When we can't feel the presence of God like we know he's intended us, when when the healing and the lack of curse is not operating in our lives, like we know Jesus died for it to operate, we just need to get reconnected. We need to get closer to where that signal's coming from. How do we do that? We need to gird our loins, don't we? Get that whole armor of God. Get the sword of the Spirit out of the closet because you know that it wasn't meant to go in the closet. You know it's not doing you any good in the closet. Pray every day until you hear the Holy Spirit speak. You want to know that that signal's coming through? Pray every day until you hear the Holy Spirit speak. If it takes you five seconds or or 50 minutes, that's a good way to know, hey, the tower's still there and I'm still able to receive a signal, amen? Sometimes it's not because we've gone out too far. Sometimes it's because though we are redeemed, we still live in an unredeemed world, don't we? Though we believe in our healing and we receive our healing, Those things of this cursed world still buffet us. They still come against us. Though the blood covers us, the blood is not necessarily covering that virus that's coming from somewhere else. So what we have to do is is have that signal, reception strong enough, so that when it gets to us, instead of invading us, it just dies. It says, I cannot go any further. I have reached my stopping point. I cannot get into the blood of this individual. If viruses could talk, When the curses come our way, we need to do what with the blood? We need to apply it. We need to plead it. Plead the blood of Jesus. So sometimes it's not that we've strayed too far, that we're we're out of alignment, but sometimes it's just because there's a natural environment. I can be in the best location in my house to receive my my signal from AT&T, but there's still going to be a hill right behind my house. It's a natural barrier. Part of this cursed earth. And sometimes we can be just as aligned with God. I'm talking, we just had a big Sunday morning. We just came out of revival. We've been memorizing scripture every day. Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are flowing through us. And a natural environment still interferes. But where there's a hill, we just become climbers, don't we? Where there's a valley, we just head towards the mountain. Amen? Amen. And that's what we continue to do. We continue to str- struggle and we continue to strive against all the curse, all the cursed ground if you will that buffets us until when? Until we move into the AT&T store, right? In other words, until Jesus comes back and takes us home permanently. Judging by the amount of people who like to stay on their phones while I'm preaching, I know that y'all understand this metaphor if you were if you were listening today. Amen. Not being hateful, just honest. So God absolutely and definitely has a big plan for your lives he's got a big redemption coming we're listening for the signal every day and it's getting closer and closer and closer all you have to do is watch the news to know that we're about to be at 100 percent that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be some hills and some travels that go on that maybe cause us to feel that that buffeting of this cursed earth from time to time but y'all today we are so much closer than we were yesterday to the return of Jesus Christ amen no longer cursed can you put that word redeemed in your arsenal today